born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Wouldn't you love them? God, don't, don't let me see any sorrow. Just let me have everything wonderful and peaceful and joyful. I just want a good life. And then it seems like you have nothing but curses everywhere. You have arguments with your husband and your wife and your kids and your in-laws and your outlaws and your job and your health and this. Nothing goes right. And you can try to be as careful as you possibly can. And you can say one little word and then you think you feel so ugly inside. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Well, this is what God's talking about. And so, yes, you're going to have these things. But he says, why did I not? Was God through with him? God wasn't through with him yet. At the end of the book, when you see the end of the story, God gave him ten more kids. No, that wasn't a curse. He doubled everything that he had, so you know he had to make up with his wife, right? They have this thing called Job's daughters. What was it about Job's daughters? They were gorgeous. They were lookers. And know when a man has a beautiful daughter, hey, they're going to have to pay to get this one. They have ten of them. Whew. He did all right, but he had questions. I looked at the next question. Look in chapter 14. Chapter 14. Chapter 14 and look in verse 14. Another good question. If a man dies, shall he live again? You see, the reason Job didn't have all the answers, you know. You see, he didn't have the Old Testament or the New Testament. How would you like to have been born? And you never had the New Testament. Wouldn't that be terrible? Look at the knowledge we would not have had. We would have had no answers. The Old Testament, see, you got the question. The New Testament, you got your answers. And so Jesus answers all these questions, of course. But there's questions and there's answers. And that's why there's power in knowledge. When you learn the Word of God, you're learning the answers. People got questions. They got problems. And you want God to use you? Learn the word. There's power in people's lives that you can have because you got answers. So he says here, all the days of my appointed time will I wait. Get that. Till my change comes. Now we know there's a day coming when we're going to all be changed. In a moment, the twinkling of an eye. But he was talking about, he says, in my body will even rest in hope. He's talking about the flesh. Now another good verse I want you to see. Just look in chapter 10. This one's not in your notes, but just look there in chapter 10. I'd write that scripture reference down. But in chapter 10, and look there in verse 9. Job chapter 10, verse 9. Remember, I beseech you, that thou hast made me as the clay, 
And thou will bring me into dust again. In other words, I came from dust, and I'm going back to the dust. And that's why I said the other day, this kid says, Mom, if we came from the dust and we're going back to the dust, you better look under my bed. Somebody's coming or going. <laughs> then in verse 10, Hast thou not poured me out as milk and curdled me like cheese? Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh and hast fenced me in with bones and sinew. Thou hast granted me life. Who granted you life? God did. The right to life came from God, not man, not government. They're only to secure the rights God gave to us. And so, yes, there's a question. But look in verse 10 of chapter 14, where it says, But man dieth and wasteth away. You know, the longer we live, we get older, we're just wasting away. So, look there back at number four in your notes. How can a man be justified with God? Look in Job 25. Job 25. Job 25. There's uh, several verses that uh, we used to use here that talks about the moon and it shineth not, but it reflects the light from the sun, found in verse 5. But look in verse 4. How then can man be justified with God? Or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? If a man is born of a woman and he's got an old sinful nature, how can he ever get clean? How can you take and wash away your sins? How do you wash away this old sinful nature that we have? Only by a new birth. Only by a new birth. By trusting Christ as Savior and getting a new birth and then letting this one die. It's going to die sooner or later. It's kind of like, you know, here's a beautiful little lily. And I take a pair of scissors and I cut it. Now this lily is dead. It's been cut off from the source of life. But it still may last uh, three, four, five days, or I put it in somebody, it might last a little longer, you know. But that's the way we are. See, we are like the grass of the field. We're pretty for a while, and then we're going to get old, and then we waste away. We're going to die. You can't stop that. As much as you fight it. <laughs> Just one moment, I'm going to fight it all the way to the grave. <laughs> in other words, they never give up. Sometimes, you know, uh, the fellow just let it happen. Whatever will be, will be. And the woman, not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. And so, anyway, that will move right along. Look there in your um, notes. How can a man be justified with God? Well, the answer, to be justified with God is to be equal with God in righteousness. This means that no sin can be imputed to your account. And Romans chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 talks about, Blessed is the man unto whom God will not impute sin. Look up here. Here's God and he's perfect. He's righteous. All of us have come short of the righteousness of God. How can man, born of a woman, ever be justified with God? Where God can look at us and see no sin. Where we are as righteous as God himself. How in the world can that ever be? So Jesus Christ goes to the cross, pays for our sins in order to give us a new birth so that I could pay that sin debt. And his death became my death. So I died. But I was born again. And now I'm alive. And God sees my new birth born of God with no sinful nature. And God sees no fault in me. My new birth is as righteous as God himself. 
In God's eyes, my new birth is perfect. I have been washed from my sin. Now, most people, they will say the word that they don't really get it and understand it. I hope that y'all do understand what I'm saying. Now, take a page and turn it over. Now, the Lord said, hey, I got, I got a question for you. I got a question for you. I mean, you know, conversations are good to have. God wants us to talk to him, and he wants us to talk to him. and He talks to us. So the question up there is, if Jesus Christ would spend one day with you, there are some of the questions, or these are some of the questions that he might ask of you. How would you answer? Or here you are, you're walking along, just you and the Lord. And the Lord says, I got a question for you. Sure, go right ahead. I got all the answers. And so I got all these questions right out of the Gospel of John. As I was reading the Gospel of John, I said, that's a question. I just wonder how many questions he asked. Now, I didn't get them all, but I just wrote down the choice ones. And he was asking these questions. And most of the people never did give an answer, but he just asked the question. See there in verse 1, what seek ye? What seek ye? Remember, they had just been told by John the Bad, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And they followed him. He says, what are you seeking? What are you looking for? You know, as we go through life, talks about ask, seek, knock. What are you looking for? What do you want? Isn't it a good question? What are you seeking? I mean, are you seeking the finances of the world, the money of the world? Are you looking for popularity? Are you looking for friendship? You're looking for fame and honor and glory. What, what are you looking for? Don't you think it's a good question that if God was to ask you that question, what would you tell him? Lord, I just, I just want your will. I just want to do whatever you want me to do. That song they sing, I'm yours, Lord, everything I've got. I still don't know all the words of that song. <laughs> That's because I've never led the song. I hear them singing it. But um, I'm yours, Lord. Look at number two. What have I to do with thee? What place do I have in your life? John chapter 2 and verse 4. What have I to do with thee? Oh, somebody wanted, you know, there's going to be a wedding. And they'd run out of some wine. And Jesus, we don't have any wine. And whatever he says, just do it. He says, what have I to do with you? If I'm walking down the street and Jesus is walking... And he looks at me and says, what have I got to do with you? I mean, what value do I have in your life? Could you keep walking and living your life and doing all the things you did without him? Would you like to just live your life and have him just leave you alone? He gave us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit indwells us. And he goes everywhere we go. And there's no place you can go. He doesn't go. You decide to go into the bar. He doesn't wait outside. You're taking them right in there. And that's why the Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Can you grieve God? Can you use that body for something you're not supposed to and grieve God? You'd be surprised. You can say things that God doesn't want you to say that can grieve God. But what does he have to do with you? What value does he have in your life? Look at number three. Knowest not these things? Now, he's talking to Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And he came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus says, you must be born again. 
You cannot see the kingdom of God or enter into the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. He says, what are you talking about? He says, you don't know all these things? You don't know this? If you studied the law, Nicodemus, you're supposed to know this. You're a teacher of the law, and you don't get it. Do you know if God knows what you're supposed to know by this time in your life? Does God know what you could know if you studied God's word more? Or if you really paid attention while the preacher was talking instead of sleeping? Can you sleep with your eyes open? Number four, say not ye there are yet four months. In other words, what's the purpose of that simple little statement? In John chapter 4, verse 35. Say not ye there yet four months, and then cometh harvest. What's the point of that? What was the point of what he had to say? Look on the fields. They're white already to harvest. Don't say, well, we got a lot of time. There's a lot of time. We got a lot of time to serve God. We don't have to do it now. We got a lot of time to reach people around the world. We don't have to do it now. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I think that's what it says. Something like that. But it's a good question. Number five, will thou be made whole? Nicodemus was made spiritually whole. The impotent man was made physically whole. It means to be made complete. Don't you want to be made whole? That means in body, soul, and spirit. And I've often mentioned these three things. See, with your body, you you want to keep your body healthy. Soul, you want to keep it happy. And spirit, you want to keep it holy. Spirit, holy. Soul, happy. And body, healthy. So God gave, God gave you a body, a soul, and a spirit. And so if you know what you're supposed to do, are you responsible to keep that body as healthy as you can? You can let it go. You can do anything that you want to do to it. But whose body does it belong to? Ye are bought with a the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are, which are God's. Do I belong to the Lord? He owns me lock, stock, and barrel. So my attitude, my spirit's got to be right to keep that right. My soul, God wants me. Do you think God wants me to walk around sad and down in the mouth and whining and pining all the time? You ever hear somebody, all they do is poor mouth. That's all they do, complain about how poor they are. Well, if you're poor, whatever you've got, you can be thankful for, but you don't have to always complain about everything. God says murmuring and complaining brings the judgment of God. Read 1 Corinthians in chapter 10. And he says, don't do that. Because it's so easy to do that. Look at the next statement, number six. There's a multitude of people who had followed the Lord. And he talked to them about having eternal life. Chapter six is about how Jesus debated the case for eternal security. He says, this bread, you eat this bread, you'll never hunger again. means One time, last forever. He says, if you drink this drink, you'll last forever. Never have to do it twice. When he talked to the woman at the well, he told her, he says, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith unto thee, give me to drink, thou would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. She says, evermore, give me this water. He's talking about everlasting life. And so she believed on the Lord. 
But Jesus was talking about, if you drink the water that's in this well, you will thirst again. You'll need it some more. But if you drink the water that I give, you'll never have to do it again. That's all eternal security. So he gives them another illustration. He says, this body of mine, I'm the true bread that came down from heaven. Your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and they're dead. He says, but if you'll eat my flesh and drink my blood, what? And they got offended. He says, does this offend you? They were offended. They didn't understand what he was talking about. He was giving them an illustration. But anyway, does this offend you? In other words, has the Lord done something to offend you? You know, we often sometimes get bent out of shape if somebody offends us, don't we? We don't like to be around people who offend us. Well, the greatest offender in the world is Jesus. He offended everybody. Because he was truth. And every man was a liar. And he was truth. You see, if you decide to serve the Lord, you are a natural rebuke to everyone who doesn't. You decide to serve the Lord and put him first in your life, you are a rebuke, a living rebuke to everybody who won't do it. And they don't feel comfortable around you. So they would rather find some friends they can get along with better than along. I never had to drop any of my friends. They dropped me. I never had to drop one of them. They just didn't want to be around me anymore. Because I started preaching to everybody. And I haven't stopped yet. But you know, God gave me a bunch of new friends. Better friends. Because were they really my friends? I was talking to this one guy. Well, there was two of them. And the one said he'd trust the Lord. And I went to ask the other one. He said, oh, I already knew that. I says, you knew this? He said, yeah. You know you're going to heaven now. Yeah, yeah. Why didn't you tell him? And I just looked at him. Why didn't you tell him? He didn't say a word. What's he going to say? I said, now, is that your friend? (laughs) That was his friend. But you never told him. Now, that question can go both ways, can't it? Why don't you tell them? You can't always straighten out everybody up, but you try to keep yourself going straight and strong for the Lord. Look at the next statement. When he says in verse 7, will you also go away? Will you also go away? See, that's a good question. But who did he ask? He was talking to his disciples. When he looked at them, because the other multitude, they went away because they were so offended. So Jesus looked at his disciples. He says, to whom will you go? Will you also go away? Peter says, to whom shall we go? Thou, we believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we believe that thou hast eternal life. Jesus says, not all of you. There's one of you that don't. To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. See, Peter understood that. And he was speaking for everybody, of course. But Jesus says, no, not all of you. Because he knew that Judas was betraying him. If you're serving the Lord, if God allowed something to happen, and he didn't remove that problem right away, you know, like having a thorn in the flesh, and you've asked the Lord to make you well or to give you the finances or do that. Like Paul had this thorn in the flesh and God wouldn't remove it because it was given to him to keep him humble. Lest he become exalted in his own mind. 
And you know what that can cause a person to do? Man, look at me. Look who I am. Look what I have been able to conquer. I was in heaven. I had these visions. I seen things. Touch me. Touch me. And so um, God says to keep you humble, he may have to keep you poor. To keep you humble, he may have to take a lot of things away from you. He may not bless you the way you want to be blessed. But if he does, and you do all the best you can, it could be for your own good. I've seen a lot of people do fine until they start making money. Then they got no time for church, no time to study the Bible, no time. Now, I don't have time. And they become workaholics, have no time for God. They were better off when they had to walk to church. Anyway, as we're moving right along, look at number eight. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you have kept the law? It's just like I told a man with it. He put it on my YouTube. You got to turn from your sins. This Yankee guy is telling you you can just trust Christ as Savior and live like the devil. And he says all he's doing is giving people a license to sin. I emailed him back. <laughs> no, I emailed him. I put it back on the thing. I said, so turn in from sin. You go ahead and tell everybody to turn from their sin. How's that working? Who's done it? Who has turned from all their sins? Name one. Nobody has. Well, you've got to commit your life to Christ and serve God for all your heart. Like, how's that going? Is everybody doing it? Look at the world. That message really is working. That ain't working either. Telling people to be good isn't working. Telling people to give up their sin, that's not working. Why don't we just tell people the truth? We're a bunch of sinners and we ought to go to hell. But Christ died and paid for our sins. If you trust him and save you, you can go to heaven when you die. But that's the truth, isn't it? Well, why should I lie to them? And I refuse to lie just because somebody else wants to key off of that and do an impeachment program on me. Anyway. Number nine. He says, are you angry at me? Are you angry at me? Are you angry at me? And then down at the bottom, I got three little questions. He makes the statement, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? What do we mean by the word Lord? When it's L-O-R-D, what is Lord? Can we say master? And we're supposed to obey the master? He said, you call me Lord, Lord, then why don't you do what I say do? The Lord, Jesus Christ, yes. Do we have to make him the Lord of our life to be saved? No, that's works for salvation. But we still need to recognize his title, This is who he is. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who he is. He is the master. He is the authority. And you and I, as a child of God, we should serve the Lord. But we don't do it to get to heaven. But if you're going to say he's your Lord, then he should be the Lord of your life. There's nothing wrong in that. There's nothing wrong in a child of God turning from his sins. Because the Bible says, and everyone that nameth the name of Christ, let him depart from iniquity. That's what he's talking about. Because we have this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Whether you quit your sins or you don't quit your sins or you live godly or ungodly, God knows his children. God knows who you are, knows who I am. Now, this comes from all the way back in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 6. When he saw the Lord, he says, in the year the king Uzziah died, 
I saw the Lord high and lifted up and mighty and holy, holy, holy. And the Lord says, who shall I send? Who will go for us? And he says, hear my Lord, send me. Hear my Lord, send me. Who will go for us? I believe that's a reference toward the Trinity. But anyway, if the Lord was to walk in this room tonight, stand right down here, and says, I, I want somebody to go for me. You see, I've got this person over here, and I've got this person in a nursing home. I've got this person in the hospital. I've got this person on Skid Row, and I've got this person in this country. I got to, and uh, who will go for me? Well, Lord, you, you sure came into the wrong church. Maybe I'll try that church down the road. We're too busy serving Christ. Hmm. Would there be a problem? Every person in the room should go, here am I. Send me. Look at the last question down here, because this is a good question. How long halt ye between two opinions? In the valley of decisions, multitudes, multitudes, in the valley of decision. You see, you're making decisions every day of your life, and that's why you will ask and seek and knock. Because every person should want the will of God for their life. But know that you can go to the Lord. Ask God questions. Seek the will of God. Knock and see what doors are open. But don't sit around and do nothing and say, God doesn't love me and God doesn't want to use me. God will use anybody that's usable. It's not your ability, it's your availability that's important. And that is so important. Look up here. Letting this hand represent you and me and this wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. You know, a lot of people, they, they don't really know, they don't hear all of this. They hear that God hates them because they've sinned. God hates you. No, God loves you. God so loved the world. And that's why the world was lost, not saved. He loved them. Even while you were lost, God loves us. He demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners, not saints. And so the wages of sin is death. And since all have sinned, all are condemned. God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, you've got to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We've all come, ascend and come short of God's perfection. So you can't earn your way to heaven by your good works. That's why we needed a Savior. This hand represents Jesus Christ has no sin. He's perfect and just and righteous. So he didn't have any sins to pay for. He was not guilty. But because he loved us, he took our sins, died in our place, came back from the dead. And so if we'll accept his death as our death, God gives us a new birth. You see, you can't get the new birth until you have to die from the first birth. So when I accepted his death as my death, I get a new birth. Because the old man is dead, crucified. Jesse covered that the other week. When you're talking about in the book of Galatians in chapter 5, verse 24. Crucified with affections and love. So we go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. You don't earn it, you don't work for it. It's the gift of God. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. If you're watching by internet, right on the screen says, Yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. If you've never done it before, and you will trust Christ as your Savior right now, I pray that you'll do so. Let us know. If you're here in the auditorium... Several things. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, I pray that you would. 
It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But if you already know Christ as your Savior, it's only normal, it's natural to ask questions, to seek, and to knock. Because God is waiting to answer your questions, to lead you, and open up doors of opportunity for you. Believe that. Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Bless each one in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Do you have to be baptized in water to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your Savior? There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me